and we are live. Welcome to the new episode. Hopefully everybody's back. I didn't even check to see if everybody was back, guys. No, um, we're not back. <laughs> nope, we're not back. Um, make sure all my screens are working. Um, they do not have cameras for their faces, guys, so you will have to just deal with it. I know, really harsh reality, right? We're doing a triple screen, one with my face and then all the cameras for painting because we're all going to be painting today. Um, and we're going to be talking about the Song of Ice and Fire. Hopefully everybody's all cool. Everybody's got all their screens going. Uh, I personally am going to be working on Jon Snow, uh, which is going to be a kind of weird thing because his armor's all black. So, ta-da, done. I can go with that, right, guys? Just oh, yeah, I can feel totally that. Done. Totally, totally done. done. Totally done. Totally yeah. done. 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 I can't think of anything else to do with it. He's just black, right? Yeah, he's well, just maybe black. like a, some metallic on his sword. Oh, yeah. I could probably put some metallic. Yeah. And maybe paint his face. But he does have black hair and everything. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's good. We're, we're, we can go with that, right? So, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> so this is the episode where we are talking about the Song of Ice and Fire tabletop war game that's put out by Simon. Uh, um, and, and Dark Sword. And Dark Sword, yeah, it is. And, and Dark Sword, yes, thank you. Um, so, yeah, Gonzo and Jim have discovered that game, and there's a lot of people who were at Adepticon who got that the starter set for that game in their swag bag, and everybody wants to know, is it any good? Is and it worth a damn? How, how are the mechanics, and what are the models like, and... You know, people want to know. And so this is episode 75 where we talk about Song of Ice and Fire on the same night that the new season of Game of Thrones is starting up. All right. Uh, it looks like chat and everything's going okay. Um, we will see Facebook chat within our chat. Uh, it just may take a little bit. So if you don't, if we don't get you right away, we apologize. Um I will try to open up the Facebook chat over here and try to get that going also. Um, so before we go anywhere, guys, we got to do our uh, daily ritual of thanking our sponsors. We want to thank Tectonic Craft Studios. Dan, you're the man. Thank you so much. He has given me some stuff to give away on the podcast, which we will give away uh, some uh, probably beginning of May. Because if you haven't heard, we're not going to be on air next week because of the holiday. But the week after, we are going to have special guest uh, Parabello Game Studios to talk about Conquest. Um, we also want to thank Mechanica Studios for uh, selling our products that we have. Uh, if you haven't noticed, we do sell a few things uh, on our on their website. We do have some tracker tokens and all these other cool things going on. Um, on top of that, we want to thank Muse on Minis. We want to thank them a lot. They help sponsor us and provide us a place to store a lot of things. Uh, if you need tokens, widgets, or anything else, you can always find them on Muse on Minis. And if you type in uh, more than dice, all one word, into their discount code, you'll get an extra 10% off of everything you order. Is that good enough? Everybody got it? What does Tectonic uh, Craft Studios do? They make MDF Terrain. And a bunch yeah, of other stuff. They make some pretty cool yeah. uh, MDF uh, terrain. And Dan also makes name tags for different conventions, you know, oh, yeah. different gaming conventions. So if you're going to one of those conventions, you go to Tectonic Craft Studio, 
and hit him up for a a really cool looking MDF name tag. Oh yeah, uh, which you should. Uh, we will have a few things uh, to give away from his store. I'm gonna paint up some things and give it away. Um, but before we do that, um, we need to do our shout outs to anybody. Kathy, do we know anybody we need to give a shout out to recently? Um, Any recently departed that you know of? No, no. I am blissfully unaware of the recently <laughs> departed. Um, I do want to give a shout out to uh, one of my dogs that passed away this week. He was the most amazing dog. He was a very sick dog, but he was very amazing, very loving. Uh, his name was Toby Fred, if you saw it on there. He uh, he passed away in my lap. Very sad. Our household has been pretty bad about that, but we have to move on. So, not only to Toby Fred, but also to <clears throat> everybody watching, everybody listening. We appreciate it. Um, Kathy, what are you going to be drinking tonight? I may or may not be drinking a gin and tonic. What? Gin and tonic. No, not you. You I know. wouldn't be drinking a gin and tonic. You don't no. do that type of stuff. Never ever. Jim, are you yeah. drinking anything tonight? Yeah, I was able to make myself sort of a deluxe rum chata. I just grabbed a bunch of things out <laughs> of the refrigerator and some rum, and it turned out to be pretty tasty. That's already gone. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I am drinking a, a very little amount of port tonight, uh, a Finesca port, um, to go with everything that's going on. So to everybody, Toby Fred and all my friends, cheers. Cheers. Hmm. Looks like I'm going to have a little bit of problem checking that chat. Um, Okay. <clears throat> I did finish my um, ghost and the model and the paint job. And it probably is kind of looking washed out because it is white on a white background. Yeah, white is always difficult on camera. But that looks yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, I gotta she work. said with a paintbrush in her mouth. <laughs> At least you're not eating paint like everybody else, right? That is so true. I never lick my brushes. Ever. 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 Ever, ever. Uh, Kathy, what episode are we on, by the way? We're on episode 75. 75! Rock and roll. Yeah. Party time. God, what are we going to do for 100? That's only 25 episodes away. Dude, I don't know. Um, while I'm waiting on Jon Snow to dry a little bit, I am going to work on some techniques that uh, Jim had taught me on one of his videos. Using the uh, Secret Weapon Scenix Crush Glass and their Secret Weapon Realistic Water. Um, I did the snow on this base. And I don't know if you can see it. And it looks really good. But around the edges, I want it to make a, a little bit wetter look. So I'm going to um, make a very, very thin, wet snow to put around the edges of that. And do the edges of the base um, for everything here. Um... But I used that, and then I got some snow tufts that I put on here, and then, of course, just a gravel flocked base that I painted gray and blah, blah, blah. So, uh, if everybody can hear us, say something so we make sure that we sound all right. Um, but other than that, I'm going to use Jim's old favorite technique, taking the plastic tray from the back of a miniature. 
putting the realistic water in it and I'm going to use it a lot and then putting the scenic glass in it um, and this one's going to be a very 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 wet one so I'm going to have to mix it up very very well and where's my yucky brushes where's my cheap brushes super super cheap brushes um, so I'm going to get this in here so I can start working with it um, so, um, we want to talk about the Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, a lot of people got the, I think they gave away 1,500 starter sets of the Lannisters and Starks at Adepticon. And so they saw a massive, massive, massive hit to their store and they sold out of almost everything. Um, I've always been interested in it because one, I'm a good, big fan of Song of Ice and Fire, um, not only the TV show, but the books. And the last time we had Jim on here, we actually talked about the game for a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit into the fact that, you know, he was painting up the miniatures and we were kind of curious about it and he started to talk about it and we got into some minor details of the game. Um, and we also talked about price costs, which I think was very important for us to talk about because games nowadays, if it's, it's not a dig on any, any game, but there's no way I could get into War Machine and Hordes now or um, 40K with the cost that is involved with it because it's just a lot of money. Um, and so it was very reasonably costed. Um, a starter set, depending on where you buy it, goes for about 85 to 75 if you're buying a single person starter set. Like I bought into uh, the Nightwatch, of course, just because I like Nightwatch and I thought that would be cool. And it was 85 and then I bought the Catapult, or I should say the Scorpion Crew. And the Hunter Rangers, which are the archer team with it. And I got out with like, it was about probably a little over 150 or so, give or take. Hey, Jake Rod. So, I mean, How you it, doing? hey guys. So, it, it, it was still a pretty decent amount. Uh, and. It let me field over 40 points, and I have a bunch of points left over. The Scorpion crews come in pretty expensive for what they do. Um, so it was, it was interesting. Um, if you're wanting, you can find, I have to say, you, sh you should be able to find still a few of the starter sets that people are trying to sell off from Adepticon pretty cheap now. I know at one point this guy had 14 of them and was selling the starter, the two-player starter sets for 50 bucks a piece. And, and the miniatures work for other games. I've already painted three armies for someone who has no intention of ever playing the game, but we've done them in different color schemes. Like all the Night's Watch were done almost as if they were Rangers of Gondor, and he's using them for his own games. We took the Starks and we made them look like basically French yeomen or whatever from oh Madden yeah court so that we've converted them 
we, we've put different arms on them, spears. We made them into weapons teams for trebuchets. So they are very convertible because they're all one-piece plastic miniatures. Yeah. Which I thought was going to be a turnoff when you showed it. And then I started looking at the miniatures, and they're really, really good. People have actually started... I don't want to say started, but they're they're they're. You don't have to do a multi piece for it to be good anymore. Yeah. Well, they're sculpted by Big Child Creatives, and those guys—they're one of the industry leaders as far as sculpting goes. When they sculpt things, it looks human. Yeah. It doesn't look vaguely humanoid. Cloth is cloth, and these are yeah, these are all one piece miniatures, but they're really dynamic. Yes. And every sword blade is perfect because the sword, all weapons are made out of a slightly different plastic. It's more of a, say, a GW hard plastic and the bodies themselves. It's basically a very high-grade bones style material. And you can see you can pop them off the bases, no problem, and rebase these. That's I did the same thing with my... This is one of the new, the new faction they released, the Free Folk right here. This is one of the, the Raider units. And as you can see, it's been magnetized because I can hold this upside down, shake it, and these guys aren't going anywhere. Hey, yeah. Wade03 is in the house. We What's gotta, up, Wade? We to give a shout out to Wade and Jay Crod and Puchaki said they were going to be uh, painting along with us. Sweet. Um, I was worried about it being one, one thing plastic because for the most part they're usually pretty horrible on the standard. But these weren't. I was really impressed by the way they look, the way they feel. The like usually when you have plastic and they like they have halberds or really long swords sticking out, it's all warped. And oh yeah, yeah, like it's all bendy or anything. Yeah. But these are surprisingly perfect. Yeah. Really, like the swords and the halberds and all that stuff. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, they were pretty. They were they were they were solidly built. Um, so. I was I was I was impressed by that because I was like, oh, these turn out to be bad. I'm gonna be mad, I, and they weren't. Um, they were done really well. Uh, so here's an example of the halberds right here. Every single halberd, perfect out of the box. Yeah, there weren't any bend or warps or nothing. And if you're not obsessive like we are about filing mold lines. I mean, all you basically have to do is take them out of the box and prime them and start painting. That's it. And then the movement trays come along with it, and they are everything is set to just be right out of the box. And that's if you want to do something more elaborate with the basing, you can because you're not spending all this time swearing as you put stuff together. Just like the, the scorpion... When that that's all just one piece yeah. straight out of the box i've had to assemble god knows how many of these weapon crews this is how it is right out of the box two of these in a box they're all just they're all together no green stuff and glue gluing your hands together trying to put together an artillery piece so i really love it looks like we're getting a little bit of video lag from y'all too probably because y'all are sharing the own internet with each other <laughs> oh yeah we're, we're streaming from uh yeah, the same internet. Yeah. So, so I apologize for any uh, lag that might be happening. But... Um, I'm finishing up my shadow, which is Jon Snow's uh, dire wolf. Uh, I wanted to paint him up first and also test out the snow base. 
materials that uh, Jim had showed me um, because I was very interested in it. I'm going to have to do a little touch up on a couple other things, but I wanted to add a, a wet factor to the edges of these, so I made a very, very, very wet one on the sides. Um, we apologize if there's any video likes. Kathy and Jim are streaming from the same internet, and so it's coming through probably a little bit iffy. Um, I, so, one of the interesting things about this game is when I was testing it out um, with a couple of friends and stuff, is if you liked rank-and-file games, rank-and-file type stuff, you'll like this game. Um... Because not only will you like it because it's rank-and-file troops, but you can't win by turn one or two. You actually have to put some effort into what you're doing in this game. Um, it's just not going to go super, super quick and super, super easy. Um, things take time. Um, there's a lot of detail to this game that I like when it comes to... Um, tactics your first turn for the most part of your troops is just moving forward and getting position for the next turn for the most part what really really pushes this game and makes this game a whole lot better than what people think it is are the ncus and for the people that are new um, when you build your army not only do you build your army for your troops, you have to actually build them for non-combat units. And your non-combat units could be... Depending on who you have, two to three models. I've seen what army only filled one. Points are very, very tight in this game. Um, and spending those points wisely, especially for NCUs, is very, very difficult. Um, so NCUs are individual characters that play on the tactics board, which do I have my tactics board? Yes, I do. This is set on the side of the board and you only play for six rounds, six rounds and six rounds only. Um, I don't know if you can see this well enough. Yeah, it looks like you can. We'll go, I'll move it over a little bit and then we'll just go through it. Each round you have your units and your NCUs, which is two two to three very rarely do you see one and for your turn you can either activate a unit or activate an ncu when you activate an ncu you put them somewhere on this board that isn't already occupied and depending on where you put them depends on what bonuses they get uh, the first one is pretty much the crown one enemy unit must make a panic test and suffer some minus one to the roll uh, panic tests are basic. You have to roll that number or higher. If you don't, uh, you lose units in the you use lose models in the unit uh, by the difference of you failed by. Um, this one here with the money bags, you're going to store three wounds and remove a condition from a unit. I'll go to conditions later. Um, third one is to draw two tactic cards and place one condition token on any enemy unit. Uh, third, uh, fourth one is one friendly unit may make a free attack action even after they've already activated. And the last one is one friendly unit may make a free maneuver or retreat action even after they've already moved or activated. Um, 
So you technically could have one unit attack twice on the same unit each time, uh, each round. Um, so playing that really, really pushes the tactics harder than anything I've ever seen in a long time. Um, another thing that I did like um, was the cards. When you build your army, you get your commander for free. He's worth zero. Or she, depending on who you have. And you get their command cards. And then you get your standard deck that comes with it. Um, depending on your army, depends on what your command deck is. Um, and <clears throat> some of the things that are different, like, um, give me a second. Um, your command deck is what, 22 cards? In, in the game, you're going to end up with, with your 14 regular cards and six from your commander. So 20 in the game, and you've got doubles of each. Even your commander's cards, there's two of his, mm -hmm. and then there's two of your seven basic cards, and each faction has cards that do. Obviously, Lannisters are very much into intrigue and subterfuge and screwing with your enemy in just about every way possible. Then Knight's Watch more related to healing, bringing stuff back. And Starks are related to combat and movement. Yeah. But that's not always the case because I've got a Lannister army that almost plays like Night's Watch because of the NCUs, the cards, the way it's played, and my combat units. It, it's just not like the typical Lannister army. And that's the nice thing. You, you change out a few things, you don't even need to change out the combat units. You have a whole different army. Which makes it cheaper because you can play a different army just by throwing out some different cards and NCUs. Yeah, like here are my three NCUs that I've got right now. I don't have any more uh, in Night Watch. I do. There are mercenary NCUs that you can get. The Boltons are a mercenary army. Uh, they can be used by everybody. I think you're almost no. Eraser for free folk. Free folk can't use them, can they? Yeah, free folk can't. That's the whole no coin beyond the wall. Yeah, and these are the things. Now, the interesting thing about these is, uh, let's take Amon. Uh, he's, a, he's a maester healing. When he claims his own on the tactic board, a friendly unit gains plus one additional wounds per destroyed rank in that unit. So if they're down to one rank, not only do they get the three models, but they get two more additional models on top of that. Uh, three more additional models if they're missing two ranks. So technically, you could go from a, you can go three, four, five. Yeah, five. They could get five models back out of a 12-man unit with just him coming on the board. Um, drawing cards is very important, especially for vows, because Nightwatch have buffing abilities that once you do something, they get to buff and get other things going. Um, and usually a vow states that you have to be on a certain type of board, but with Mormont, he gets to go, ah, I technically control all of them for your vows. Um... Also, um, now, like I said, you got your cards that come with whatever commander you're using. Um, so if uh, Mormont is my commander, I have to use his cards. And there's always a little thing that says when a friendly unit with an attached vow attacks, I get this. When a friendly unit makes a morale test, I get this. You know, and so on and so forth. There, there are triggers to every single card. Getting those triggers is the 
very interesting part of the game. Um, then you've got your generic stuff, which range from getting extra bonuses to hit, extra movement, extra dice, automatically blocking, um, interesting things like that. Uh, drawing more tactic cards, because once you use a tactic card, for the most part, they're gone. You don't get to reshuffle your deck. You don't get to put them back in. They're just done. Um, so you have to be very careful about using certain cards and when to use them. Um, also, some NCUs are technically attachments to your units. Uh, certain units can have attachments like uh, this Nightwatch Captain. He can attach to almost any unit. And when he does, I get to have two vows attached instead of one. But at the beginning of the start of round one, I get to give them a vow for free automatically. Super, super powerful. Um, more mod. Um, when this unit activates, it may discard an attached vow card and replace it with a different one from my discard pile. Really, really good because it means I get to reuse some cards. Um... John the commander, um, whenever he passes a morale test, he gets to heal wounds. And Ghost, which gets, comes in for free, which is worth zero points, uh, gets to activate before or after he gets to activate when I start this activation. But his non-commander card makes him a beating up machine. Uh, he gets more attacks uh, and so on and so forth. Um so there's the cards do so much for this game that is incredible. I know it's kind of hard to see some of this because of reflection because they're glossy. Um, I'm going to break down something real quick and give you um, one of my basic, the basic units. This is a Sworn Brother. They're kind of the basic generic unit for Nightwatch. This, this is so easy and so simple to figure out. Um, any ability that has a trigger, it'll have either a weapon or it's automatic. So they use their greatsword. And hey, Congo, what's up, buddy? Anytime these guys roll to attack, anytime they roll a six, it causes two additional hits. Um, and Sundering. Um, anytime that Sundering happens, the defender has minus one to their saves. Pretty simple and easy. They're a speed of five. Five inches, of course. Um, they hit on a three plus. If they have full ranks, they roll seven dice, two ranks, five, one rank, four. They save on a four plus, and their morale is a six plus. Can't save very well for morales. So, it comes down to pretty simple and stuff going on. Certain things have different, like the uh, Scorpion crew. Um, they only move four. On a 3-plus, they throw 3 dice, or on a 2-plus, they roll 1, and they have different abilities. It has 6 wounds, it never makes a morale test, cannot charge or retreat, and cannot gain condition tokens. Oh, hey, Via Schmidtbot. I did not see you there in all of your blobby glory. Um, you also, they shoot at long range, which is 12 inches. Um, they cannot shift, they have sundering, volley fire, and they can do single shots. Everything's on these little cards. Oh, and their point costs are on the back. Uh, any limitations like Scorpion Cruise can you only have two in your army at all times. So it's very, very simple. There is a free app for building your army uh, called War Council. Uh, and you get all the cards for free 
All the tactics cards for free. Everything's for free. You just get it and go. Um, man, my. Everything's really simple on this. I'm going to show you the, the, the quick combat rules. If you want to move, you pivot from the middle of your unit. Move your speed, pivot. March, double your speed. Charge, your speed plus 1d6. Attacking, same thing. You roll your dice. Whatever roll you need to hit, that's what you hit. Your opponent then rolls their armor save. There's no roll to hit and wound. It's you roll to hit. They roll their save. That's it. Uh, you can retreat. Uh, if you're going to shoot with a bow, you can move two inches and then shoot. Uh, panic tests are a type of morale test where you have to roll. So say you've got a six on your morale. You mean you have to roll six or higher or that unit loses models of the difference of your roll. So if you roll a five, um, they lose one guy. Uh, attacking bonuses, if you're in the flank of the rear, get bonuses. If you charge, you get to reroll your attack dice. Um, orders only trigger once a turn. Uh, we're talking about condition tokens. Condition tokens are extremely powerful in this game. Um, a panic one means they get to you get to force them to reroll any or all of their dice. So if they pass all nine of their dice, you take that panic token off of theirs. And you make them reroll all of them. Vulnerable rerolls for defense and weakened rerolls their attacks. Um, it all comes with a set of terrain. You only play with four pieces of terrain on the board on a standard four by four. Um, and terrain setup is part of the initial part of the game, unless the TO already has it set up. Um, there are objectives that you have to place down that you put down a token and then you randomly draw these cards and certain things happen when you get those cards. Uh, like one of them was your NCU gets no uh, benefits on what's on their cards. They just get what's on the tactic board, which can really hurt um, or deny attachments. Um, so there's a ton of different things that can happen with this game that really set it apart. Um, I know Jim was talking about you had a game this last weekend or this last week where you said you were playing with uh, the Lannisters. Yep, playing with the Lannisters and I tried out and, and these are where things counter. There's nothing inevitable in this game. No. So there were charges made by heavy cavalry and it's like, oh, this unit's dead. The, the typical thing in Warhammer Fantasy where you don't even bother rolling the dice, just take the unit off there. None of these units were destroyed in these initial charges. Unless someone played two or three cards and put their character, like him or whatever, on a certain spot on the board. It just takes so much more. You have to do condition tokens on them. It's almost like a D&D &D where you buff yourself and debuff the enemy. So I had to do things like vulnerable so that he have to reroll his armor saves. If I knew he was going to attack me, you can darn well be sure every unit that was anywhere near mine was going to be made weakened. So you have to reroll those successful attacks. The, this guy right here, he lets you get more of those tactics cards, but he takes away the enemy tactics cards. There was one point, I think one turn in, I had six tactics cards in my head, and I had him down to one. Just by taking cards away from him, forcing him to use his, and building up mine. And like I said, that is a huge thing. It really affects 
the game down the line. So there's a lot of stuff that he thought he was just going to be able to romp through, and he couldn't because he didn't have the cards to do it. And I, that's because I took them away from him early on. I just I know the Starks. I know the, the Night's Watch. They're all about those cards. And oh, yeah. piling up one thing after another. So I said, nope. Oh, and the other thing, too, is you can play an NCU game because the very first game I played, there were six NCUs for only five spots on the board, <laughs> which meant every single turn some NCU wasn't going to get to play. And I said, okay, you can do all your fancy Stark combat charge stuff. That's great. But one of your NCUs gets to do nothing. And one of mine, where is Varus? He's right here. He doesn't need to be on the board to do what he does. So I could sacrifice him and just deny them the spaces they wanted most on that tactics board. He also has a little shutdown mechanism, and the Lannisters have cards that do the same. So when Maester Eman goes to heal nine guys out of a unit, you say, you know what? No, on a three or better, you don't get to do that at all. He's and he's Mr. Up, no is what everybody calls him, Mr. No. He's, he's Dr. No. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, you have to be able to roll that three or better. And you cannot re-roll that anymore. That's been FAQ'd. Oh, so you can't you can't cause it to re-roll. Nope, you cannot re-roll that anymore. That was because it was getting to be just a re-roll contest. Yeah. Someone would wait for that one moment in the game to cancel out the big thing, so they would save all of the tokens just for that one moment. Gotcha. Well, now you can't, which actually makes it way more interesting, because people say, "Screw it, I can't save these for later." So now there's little things that are being shut down that before used to just let pass by. So all of those little minor things where, oh, yeah, I'm just going to grab a couple more tactics cards. You know what? No, you're not doing that. <laughs> so this is, again, how you can really affect the game. And then you've got, well, the scenarios are so different, too. Like Feast for Crows, that can be brutal because guys would just literally run away because they see other dead guys on the field and kind of pee their pants and run away quite literally and then you've got what's that is a clash of kings where uh -huh. you have the secret objectives but also at a certain point in the game you get basically everybody knows what the objectives are and it could be simple things like just get off a charge get a victory point uh, feast for crows is the game that has the biggest swing because every time you fail a morale test in that game and you're doing dozens of them every turn your unit is one more victory point valuable. And I saw a game where the Night's Watch had something like a 6-2 to two lead, and they lost 9-6 to six because a unit that kept failing its leadership by a corpse pile every turn all of a sudden was attacked and killed, and all of a sudden it was a 9-6 win. Yeah. Because... Uh, the terrain does a lot for the game, more than I thought it would. Corpse piles... They lower your morale and have problems for you making it. And if you're within a certain, I think it's like five or six inches. Within six inches, any, yeah. and, it, and it stacks too. Yeah. So there's two or three, and you add them as the game goes on as things die. Yeah. So there's just, it get, the battlefield just gets that much scarier, and units will sometimes just spend the entire game frozen in place until they die. Yeah. And they're worth six, seven, eight, nine victory points. Yeah, there's, there's the object of the game is to get to the first to twelve in victory points for the for most games. Uh, the first to twelve wins. 
Um, so when you claim an objective, you get a victory point. If you, you know, do certain things in the game, you get a victory point. And so each scenario has a bunch of different things to it, depending on what it is. Uh, it's one of the things I also like. It's not just, hey, let's all go claim our objective or zones and we win. Um, depending on who you're playing and depending on what thing depends on whether you win by beating the crap out of somebody or just causing issues for somebody. And you know, sometimes the objectives can eat you. Oh, uh, I know there was one objective. Um, you can claim this. And if you do, you gain um, one NCU uh, loses their ability, but you take D3 wounds, non-savable D3 wounds each round that you're on it. So you just get, your guys just get chewed up in the process. So, I mean, there's definitely, you're, you're, you can win by beating up stuff, but if you forget the objectives and the zones and all that stuff, you can get smashed around and lose. Um, I know the game that I played against my uh, store owner, we actually came down to a tie because we both had the same amount of victory points at the end of six, but my one unit of ranger trackers, which are the cavalry, uh, and cavalry is nothing to mess with in this game. They can be super, super deadly um, because they get a free move before they get to move. Um, so they get to move across the board pretty quickly. Um, and when I did, uh, when we came down to it, my cavalry was the only thing left and it was worth 10 points while his one unit was worth uh, like eight or something. And so I won on the tie break of most points on the board. So the, those, those things on the board, those, those spaces, that's the other advantage of having multiple NCUs is, you know, that somebody with cavalry, they're going to want to get on that. It's on the cavalry where they can get a free move. So now their cavalry all of a sudden is moving, what, a 24 inches? Um, Especially if it's a dog. Well, let's yeah. see. Um, okay. So the dog has an 18-inch threat radius, and you pop on six more. Well, let's see. Okay, let's take Ghost. I'll bring up Ghost. I got his card here. Um, Ghost only has two wounds, of course. Um at the start of this model's activation, make a free maneuver action. So it can pivot, move six, and pivot again. Then it can run if it wants, which is another 12 inches, and then a pivot at the end. Or it can charge, which is six plus D6 inches. And that's where folks will do the, they'll hop onto the, the cavalry space on the on that board to try and give them an extra six inches. Yeah. So, okay, that was, guys. Wargaming Lobby just stepped in to say hello. He hey, Wargaming. You get to see a stream while working. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, like, okay, so you take... Uh, thanks for joining us, uh, Wargaming Lobby. If you take this one, one um, where is it? One friendly unit may make a free maneuver retreat. So if you take your ranger trackers, they get to move six. Then they, on their next turn, they activate. So they get to make another six inch move so we're at 12 then they get to charge another six plus a d6 inches 
and Starkson free or not free for Starkson uh, whatchamacallit the Night's Watch seem to have cards that help you roll an automatic six for that charge distance yes there are some that do that so Which, that's where Varus comes along and says nope no, 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 <laughs> not doing that and that's the reason why I like my ranger trackers is they have bows on top of it so they get the free move so they get six and then they move twelve and then they move six more um, or no, they, they, they move six, then they get to move two and then shoot. Um, so that gives them a little bit more. So the short range is only six inches. So an extra eight on top of that. Uh, plus, um, before anything else, uh, an enemy at line sight can become vulnerable. So they really, really, really can, you know, do some damage. Um, and they can just hit like crazy. Cause then you could go and claim that one that lets them do a maneuver, you know, lets them, uh, do other things and shoot again. So, I mean, there's, there's, you look at a unit and you're like, oh, okay, they're, they're, they're all right. And then you're like, no, you combine them with the tactics board or you combine them with, uh, the cards in your hand. And you're like, oh, damn, these guys are going to rip shit up. Actually, I've got uh, part of my free folk list has the combination that kills dogs where you kill your own, literally you kill your own wolf. Because when you go on that, whatever one of those tactic spaces or one of the off-board spaces, one of your units suffers D3 plus two wounds or something <laughs> like that. And you have to put them on the board. You can't just say, I'm not putting them on the board. Yes. So you put them on there. And basically solos. So right now the only solos are the wolves and the mountain that rides. You could kill the mountain that rides that way too. Now he's a little bit harder because he has four wounds. Yeah. But it, it's that is a way to to wipe out some of these free attachments or really troublesome attachments. Uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't really mess up a giant because and they're nifty. It's it's kind of like it's not like the monsters in Warhammer where you just roll enough sixes they're dead no matter what. Here, you really got to work to take down a giant. The only thing I've really seen do it is the, the scorpions. Oh, yeah. Because because you if you want to take them down, they have five wounds, but you need to do ten. If you want to take him down in one one shot with five wounds, you need to do ten on him and hope he doesn't save any. Correct. Be, because you basically have to do double wounds, and for every one that's blocked, you're kind of you're hosed. And I've seen, I've seen giants do nothing because they miss with their, their giant club. <laughs> yeah, they only get one and, attack. And I've seen them just bowl units across the, the table. Just entire units just annihilated by them. Because I think, uh, was it Starks have Berserkers? Mm -hmm. I, don't know if, I don't know if Night's Watch has any of these, but between the Berserkers and the Giants, the more wounds they have on them, the worse it is for you. So you either better kill them or leave them alone. Because they do more damage, the more either more ranks they've lost, or in the case of a giant, the more wounds he has, the more arrows you just have sticking out of him. He gets really mad because he doesn't like being a pincushion, and he takes it out on you. Yeah, the the more damage the more damage he has on him, the the more he does. Um, which is like you got you got you got to knock him out. You just got to kill him quickly. If a giant walks up to your unit with four of his wounds gone and he hits you, you you can most likely kiss your unit goodbye. Yeah. Because he will do nine wounds or something along those lines. But I have seen units 
survive nine wounds and then they're still there later in the game well and that's something that's interesting about this game um and i got bit by it uh by playing uh against starks uh my stormer which he i mean he's a longtime gamer so he knows what he's doing didn't have to explain much but just the basic rules to him and um we're sitting there talking and i got one of his units down to like three men and then all of a sudden he claims that objective on the board and claims something else and now he's up to almost a full unit again. And I'm like, son of a bitch. And okay. that's the one thing I like about this game is even though the unit may be down, doesn't mean that they're out and doesn't mean that they're not going to be doing anything. My favorite thing to do when I'm anybody except uh, the, the Night's Watch is I just I pull out my cards. I'm like, I have five. Take the black cards. At my oh! <laughs> Which I love that card. I'm never going to let anybody use it on one of my units. <laughs> if everybody didn't know, no. Nightwatch have an ability called Take the Black. If a Nightwatch unit destroys a unit, they get to steal their attachment and put it in their unit. Uh, I actually got that off, and I did it, and I just wanted to do it just once. I was fighting against uh, Lannisters, and the guy had the mountain. And my Sworn Brothers came in and wiped it out. I played for the black, picked up Mountain, put him in my unit. Because he replaces a model in the unit. So I took a, a model out, put the Mountain in next to Jon Snow. And it was Jon Snow and the Mountain rampaging across the battlefield. It's And you can take any attachment that's in there. If there's an attachment in there. Um, even if it's their commander. Because if you kill their commander, they can they got to jump over and help. Um, it is pretty freaking sweet. I really liked it. You could, in, in in a foreseeable situation, you purposely target the unit with their commander in there and then send it off to die. Yes. Because cause now the other guy is almost literally forced to kill his own commander. Yes. And he has to. Because with a mountain on um, the Nightwatch side, just it's stupid. <laughs> Adding additional 3D hits and... Additional damage, it's pretty sweet. Uh, there's plenty of stuff that you can do. Yeah, well, this is one of my favorite units is the maimed Jamie, the hostage Jamie. You stick him in a unit, and he basically just makes him sad, and they just they go home. Every, every turn, you roll a D3, and that many guys just leave the board instantly. <laughs> and and it worked because that was how, cause it was six turns into the game, and he had been... He'd been bumming guys out, and there was only about four guys left, maybe three guys left in that unit. He had tenderized them just enough, and that's when my Hulberts turned around and whacked these guys in the face. And what I like is, is that some factions have, there's multiple types of attachments that are just kind of grunt attachments. Mm -hmm. So I had, it was, a, it was an assault veteran instead of the captain. And most people with the Lannisters put in captains because they're like a commissar. When you fail a leadership role, you shoot somebody in the head, and now everybody's perfect morale. Yes. <laughs> well, um, thank you, Gilbert Mondragon, for sh sharing our, our Oh, hey, Gil. Uh, when you have him in there, all of a sudden that unit becomes more of a combat-oriented unit. And I did it with Hulberds. And the last thing they expected is that a Hulbert unit would turn around, literally spin in place, and poke them in the eye and do some and roll nine dice. <laughs> And that was the end of that unit because Jamie, the, the the hostage, had wounded them, 
not only did I get the points for that unit, but I got an additional point for getting Jamie back. Because he's a valuable hostage also. So there's just, there's so many, you cannot prevent people from doing stuff. You can't just say, if I do this, this, and this, I lock down everything. You can't. No, because the cards change everything. The tactic board change everything. Everything gets changed. That's what's interesting about the game. It's like, oh, like I said, if this was just a rank-and-file game where you just bashed into each other with the attachments, it would be an average game. It would be an average-type game. Um, there wouldn't be much to talk about. There wouldn't be much to do um, besides just reach up and bash each other. It would be solid, but it would be not much besides that. But when you add the cards and the tactic board to it, you're like, holy crap, this works. And you can be down, and then all of a sudden you're back up again because you've played certain things just right. And there's no castling. You can't just sit there in a corner and shoot because, well, A, nothing has the range to do that, and you've got to be on these objectives. You have no choice but to get to them because even if the other guy wasn't scoring points from his objectives, what the, the negative things he could be doing to you because he's on those objectives, you just can't let him have those. No, you can't let anybody have an objective. Um, so ranges in the game. Ranges range. Range attacks range from 6 inches to 12 inches. So depending on the model and depending on the tactics, um, for example, my uh, scorpions have a 12-inch range, but they only move 4 inches. So I could technically move them four and then shoot 12. If I use the tact, if I get that tactic spot and that's about it. Um, there are certain other units that move about six. So you could get six, eight, and then 12 off of that. And that's pretty much about the highest. Cause the thing I couldn't find is I Thanks, Brad. can do a, I don't think you can do a full move and shoot. With, unless you're like a cavalry or, or like a tracker type thing. Correct. Because I'd use my Lannister crossbows and I just I couldn't see it for sure in the rules. And the, the way I saw it is they can only shift two inches Correct. and still shoot. Every... So that's, that's the way we played it. And, and But they were a perfect guard against the dog because the, he wanted to, most wanted to run the dog around my flank and do that kind of stuff. But they were on the flank and they said, okay. Unless you can move 24 inches doing that, that combination of the space and the cards and everything else, you're only going to get close enough to me where I can shoot at you at seven dice. Correct. There's you only got two wounds. Yeah, there's, there isn't these uber ranges of, you know, I'm going to sit in my deployment zone and shoot you. They're, they don't exist. Um, you have to move around. And to shoot, the best you can do is move two inches and then shoot. You can't move your full movement and then shoot. But you can use the tactic board to get a free move maneuver to move your whatever your movement is. And then a two inch move and then shoot. But that's pretty much about it. There, there's not a huge amount of distance. There's not a huge amount of hardly anything. It's speed, get into melee, beat the crap, and get out. One of the best things is is to get in and get out. Um, 
you uh, one of uh, some of the things is uh, I can go in, shoot with my bows, then perform a retreat action. So I go in, shoot, play a card, lets me get a retreat, and they move back six inches. So it puts them out of threat of being charged. Um, those are the things that you have to look forward because that is how things have to work. You, if you can stick and move in this game, you, you've got a really good tactic going for you. And well, this is another place where terrain matters because yes. terrain messes with your charge distances and a disorderly charge. Oh, almost rather just not get the charge off. Yeah. Uh, when you charge a roll of D six and you move that many inches, if you make it into combat, which is base to base, you, it's a successful charge. Uh, the only difference is you move your base plus a D six inches. So say your movement is five. You're automatically going to make the charge, but if you roll a one, you don't get to reroll your misses, which is very, very powerful. Cause that's, what, that's the reason why you charged. So you could get in there and reroll um, your miss attacks, which is very prevalent um, because that it literally will make or break you. Uh, especially if you have a card that lets you do something cool on certain things. Um, so a disorderly charge really, really sucks. <laughs> yeah, and uh, basically. Mike, he, he wanted it to be combined arms. He wanted missile units to be a support to something. He wanted cavalry to be a support. He didn't want each unit to just be... He hated the Death Star. He did not want Death Star units to just walk by themselves, unchallenged across the board. He wanted to make it... Even if it's a really tough unit, there are just ways to whittle it down. And that's why you kind of want to have those support units. And if you don't have those, I've seen stuff that's really tough get annihilated by things that are you would almost consider inferior because there was nothing to support it. They just they marched this thing up saying it was just a killer death unit. Yeah. And that there is nothing, there's very few things in this game that can just kind of survive on their own. Yeah, it, it's um, it, the the. The combat, like uh, uh, one of my, we're going to ranger hunters. Ranger hunters are the only unit uh, that are pure range, or not pure ranged, but are the standard range in uh, Nightwatch. Um, and if you look at it, they got a speed six, which is good. Uh, they have short bows, which are only short range. They hit on a three plus, and you row seven attacks. The cool thing is, um, as opportunists, I'm sorry. Opportunists is the unit attacks an enemy that is not activated. They get to roll any misses, which is really good. Uh, of course, their morale is high and uh, their uh, armor is high uh, because of their thing. But what makes them really good is you do you get a charge in, so they roll on three hits. But after the attack completed, the unit may make a free retreat action if they're engaged. So they run up, hit them run away. Um, and if they're already engaged, they can't move out. You know, they, 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 they are going to have to be there, but you play on that tactics board to let that act, the unit activate again, they charge back in or they stand and shoot, especially if that unit hasn't, um, activated already. Um, another one. Yes. Uh, war game lobby. We are talking about the, a song of ice and fire by Simon and dark sword. Um, Another one uh, is Bolton's Girls, 
Bolton's Girls is stupid cool. Uh, oh, hey, John Spencer is, uh, has joined us. Hey, John. In the chat, John. Um, Bolton's Girls is a unit of dogs with their handlers. Uh, one of their abilities is when they declare a charge, they get to make a range attack first, then charge in. And to me, that is very, very powerful. Actually, I used that unit last night for the first time, and it was a support for my cavalry. And the cavalry, they went in. They were not able to wipe out a unit and, and keep on going into the backfield like I wanted. But then they were charged, and these guys countercharged. Well, first they shot in to kind of toasterize that unit, uh -huh. make them vulnerable, and then they charged. And while these, these weren't, they're not the killer unit by themselves. I did some cards on them that gave them the the exploding sixes, uh -huh. the the critical blow, and they annihilated a heavily armored unit that attacked my cavalry. And the cavalry was able to use cards from uh, what from the mountain that all of a sudden turned them into a mountain's man cavalry unit, and they started rampaging. <laughs> so it's it's you're using units in combination in tandem. By themselves, these guys, if you get charged, these guys are gone. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, they're just a bunch of little puppies and some guys with bows. But when you use these as a support for something else that is heavy, now it's, okay, go ahead, charge that heavy unit in the flank. These guys are going to get you. And they they don't mind shooting into combat either. That That's one thing you can do in this game. You do it at your own risk. You generally do it with something where your unit has the high leadership. Yep. Because I have seen units flee after being shot by their own guys. That that can happen. <laughs> so it's not always something you just want to do, make a practice of all the time. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing is, is you can. And you, you, you're not going to have one whole unit, you know, wipe out the entire game. Uh, and, and make it invulnerable for them to do it. Because, um... Cersei Lannister, one of her abilities, if she gets on the board, the tactic board and you let her get in that one spot, she will play a card and then she will claim that spot and put up to a negative, I think a negative six is as high as I can hear it can go on your uh -huh. leadership test. Well, hey guys, uh, Coving Scotty Potty says he's only lurking, so he is not, in fact, a nerd. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and then he says, but I don't wear glasses, and I've never needed a pocket protector. <laughs> and then John's like, details, right? So it's eight, almost eight. Um, so that means that it's uh, time for our media section. Oh, okay, hold on. We're right in the middle of a, of a tactic discussion, and we want to say hi, Joshua, uh, for joining us. Uh, I guess he's on Facebook. Maybe why you can't see him on certain things. Oh, hey, Josh. Um, so one of the things that one of the Lancers is what she can do is you, she can get up to, I've seen a, a negative six, which if your leadership is a six, you need a 12. You have to roll a 12 on two six-sided dice. If you don't, for every point you miss that by, you lose a guy. And that can be pretty devastating. You roll double ones, um, that unit's pretty much done. And, let, and you have to start healing them. Um, so working in tangent with all your NCUs and support units and stuff like that is super, super important. Super, 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 super. Uh, James, did you have any other uh, comments or discussions on the uh, 
tactics you want to talk about? It, it's that idea of using the, the NCU as a weapon because I think most of just don't realize that I don't have a lot of combat units. Okay, yes, I was out activated because with the free dog, the the Starks had more combat units than I did, but I had one more NCU, and the NCUs are generally cheaper than units. They're usually three points, some are four, and sometimes they have a once-per-game ability, like, uh, what's her name, Sansa, where if you want that one killer card, the one card that's going to make your game, she can basically hunt through your entire deck and look for that one card that you need. Otherwise, people look at her and say, what the heck does she do? She does nothing. Well, if you can grab that one card again, just by using her, <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. that is not something the opponent is expecting. Correct. There's a lot of stuff that we have to that you have to be mindful tactics-wise. Um, because there's so much going on in the game that it's a lot more complicated than people give it credit for. Because when I, I saw it at first, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be, oh, a game based off of a TV show? Yeah, it'll probably be crap. It isn't, and it's good. And I it's it was really, really. Be Warhammer for preschoolers, and it turned out to be way more complicated than Warhammer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Way more options, that's for sure. Yeah, way more options and way more um, way more tactics than I thought. Uh, which is good, because you want a good tactical thinking game. Um, which is what's needed. The, and to me, the idea of just smashing into each other does not appeal to me. I want to be doing something all the time. Uh, and also, just so we know, it's an I go, you go. So you move one unit, I move a unit. Everybody moves a unit. I, I move a unit, you move a unit, and that's it. And first player shifts every turn. Correct. Um, so that means, you know, uh, first player this turn. Well, not next turn, so I better, not, I better have my stuff planned out accordingly. Because that can change up everything that goes on. So yeah, you can get a you you can get a double turn, but since it's unit by unit, it's not really a double turn. Um, you 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 move your unit, I move my unit. Oh, I get turn, I get the same, I get the first player this turn. Well, I get to move a unit, not my entire army. So you're not just kicking the crap out of everybody, aka double turn style, like uh, Age of Sigmar. Uh, that's where Memoir 44 was a really good training ground for this because you can launch some big offensive and if you run out of cards, if it's unsupported, you're just you're going to lose the game. And that's kind of how this is. You just head forward and think, I'm going to smash this. And, well, it's not quite going to work that way. Uh, a Song of Ice and Fire, Joshua, in case you didn't know, uh, by Simon and Dark Swords. Um Really good game, guys. I it's a lot better than I thought it was. I really like it. I want to play more of it. I I'm gonna bring it with me every single time uh, I go to the store. Probably give away some stuff because it's it's worth it. Um. So Kathy did say that it is media section time. Kathy, how many do you have? We're just gonna leave it here and not change screens because people are working on miniatures. I've got one. Jim and I actually together have one because we went to the movies last night. So your Hellboy review? Yeah. I, um, let me see. One, two, 
about four. So I'll go two. Y'all do yours, and then I'll do two. All right. Cool. Um, okay, so I watched the new episode of... Um, oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank now. Of... Um, The, the Star Trek show. Dang, I should oh, not Discovery? have... Discovery? No, not Discovery. Um, the Orville? The Orville, sorry, yes. Sorry, my brain my brain went totally <laughs> shot right there. Star Trek show. Yeah, uh, the Orville. see where my confusion was. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was watching it. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, hopefully this is going to be a decent one. Blah, 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 blah. And it actually was a pretty good episode. It actually had some good comedy. It did hit home on a particular subject. Uh, for everybody doesn't know, there's a race of beans there that if one of their, uh, offspring turns out to be female, they have to reassignment surgery and make it male. Uh, so it's playing on this whole, you know, uh, type thing, uh, stuff. But, the interesting part is there was a planet full of females and of course they want to be, you know, liberated. They don't want to be turned male, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> the Orville, that star, the Star Trek show, not the Star Trek, but yes, Star Trek feel esque show. And so, um, I'm sitting there and they cue up music and, the liberating music for these women that want to be liberated and become their own people is Dolly Parton's nine to five. And it is their music of their generation. That's going to set them free. Um, it is their battle cry. And I have not laughed so hard in a while than watching a scientific battle in space and on ground of people beating each other up and shooting lasers at each other than music to Dolly Parton's nine to five. Um, it was interesting. It was funny. Um, the quotes on it were really good. Um, it was worth it. Um, it was much better than they have been recently because I don't mind a little bit of seriousness in what they're doing, but I, I want, you know, I want the funny out of these people. Um, and what else? Um, Hey Joe, um, the other thing I did is I did a lot of, um, Conan Exiles. So right now, if you have a PlayStation 4 or you have a PlayStation, I guess it's only on 4, I have no clue. Um, and you have the PlayStation Plus, they gave away Conan Exiles for free. And I decided to just download it and play it. I needed to keep my mind busy, so I went and started playing it. Uh, it's a survival game like Rust, but you could play it co-op, single player, or multiplayer. I decided to play single player. I haven't found anybody else that's playing it, so I don't know. If, you know, I don't know anything about the co-op version of it. Um, and it's really good. Uh, it's a very good survival game. It's very intricate, very detailed. There is a shit ton of stuff to do. I did find a cave, uh, a dungeon per se. I haven't gone in it yet. Uh, because when you die, everything's left on your body. So I may do some scounging and, you know, go in naked and run around to see what's going on in there. Um, instead of losing a bunch of stuff because I don't know how powerful it is or what, how many bad guys or how many elites or whatever in there. Um, 
you've got to battle terrain. You've got to battle the environment because you can get in sandstorms and they can kill you. You've got to do, of course, eating and drinking. Um, you've got to um, make sure that you're keeping things going. Uh, if your place gets attacked, you got to repair it. it. Hasn't been attacked yet. I'm waiting for the purge to happen. Um, I just it is it is a mature game because uh, there is nudity. You can turn it off, but you do have to capture people and make them your slaves uh, if you want to do certain things in the game and get certain things happening. It's just part of what's happening. Uh, but it is the Conan world. Conan had slaves, you know, so you, you, you got to kind of stick with it. Um, it's combat's very deadly because, of course, like any Conan game, you don't get much armor. And the armor you do get doesn't protect you very well. <laughs> um, there is a corpse run. Yes, old school corpse run. Um, you cannot drag your corpse, though, so that's what's worse. Um, so you better die in a good spot. Um, but it's really good. Uh, especially for free, you can't beat it because you'll be playing it for as long as you want to play it because there is no quote-unquote story mode. You just go and do it and go have fun with it. Um, if anybody's playing on PS4, look me up um, on uh, Facebook or whatever, on, or if I'm heavy on there. Come and join me. I'll do some co-op with you. Have a good blast, and we'll just have some fun. Um, so I forgot to give Herpes Reviews. Um, this last one, the Orville, uh, maybe one space herpes, um, for it and Conan, maybe one space herpes. Um, and now it's y'all's two to give a spoiler free review of Hellboy. <laughs> spoiler free, Jim. Well, it, it's okay because even though Gandalf dies in the second movie, he comes back in the third. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I hope we didn't ruin that for you. <laughs> but yeah, Hellboy, uh, I liked it. I think Jim liked it. You were talking about it in the car on the way home. As as a lot of people know who listen to us regularly, I don't get to go out and see movies very much. And Jim doesn't ever go out to see movies. The last one he went out to see with us was The Force Awakens. The search for Geritol. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's been a while since we've been out to see a movie together. Um, oh, Puchaki says Gandalf is still alive. <laughs> Snape kills Dumbledore. Oh, wait. Snape kills Dumbledore. <laughs> Damn. Ruin <laughs> yeah, it all. I was going to say that. <laughs> so it seems like this Hellboy was in ways a bit more lighthearted than the old Hellboy movies. Really? It, yeah. I mean, it had that element of sort of camp to it, although the, uh, the special effects for the monsters and the gory bits were really, really good. Like, very realistic. So, I mean, that part was, you know, shudderingly realistic, but as far as dialogue and attitude and stuff goes, it seemed like it seemed like he was way less broody, I guess, if I'm remembering the old ones correctly. Oh, uh, he was still campy, but yeah, a little bit broody. 
they, they kind of also utilized music and the way you were thinking the that nine to five song because there was some music they were playing which was it just... was it it there were parts of it where they had the music going that was sort of like reminiscent of Guardians of the Galaxy, but not not overdone. Gotcha. I heard it was a much darker version, though. Much darker, bloodier version. It's definitely bloodier. For sure. There, there was a little less of the whininess there, and, and it was... What I liked about it, the way we both liked it, was... Instead of just, well, you know, the, the the humans treat you so bad. Well, well, no, it's maybe these monsters should have a chance to exist too. Well, why just destroy them? It was less about, oh, the humans are always beating on you. And even though they do all these things, he just he's not really dwelling on that. The thing he gets mad about is, well, you know, Don't I'm kind of a monster. Don't be spoiling. Well, again, we won't tell about the other the sex scenes. <laughs> right. I mean, I heard that it was that it was good. That it is definitely a different path than the original Hellboys. If you're a nerd, you know, you you probably like it. But it was definitely a darker, more bloodier version than the originals. Yeah. More adult version of Hellboy. It, it, it's very bloody, and and for those of you that like chaos monsters, you may like this. You might, just saying, maybe. Yeah, there was one point I leaned over to Jim. I'm like, if there were a movie about you know Warhammer, that's what the chaos monsters would look like. <laughs> and I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying that. No, I don't think so. It is a Hellboy movie, and it is demons and stuff. So, how many space herpes do you give it? I would give it. I would give it two. Still, I mean, I really liked it, but you know, there were some moments where I was like, "Really, really," but not a lot. Not a lot. It depends, maybe, on how familiar you are with Arthurian legends. Yeah, yeah, that's true, because Jim and I both have kind of researched into Arthurian legends, so when they screw around with the the mythology of that and 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 what historically is known about it, it, it kind of screws with my sensibilities. Gotcha. And, and I've never read any, any of the comics or anything like that, so I have no idea what the story's supposed to be. It's the same thing with Lord of the Rings. I could just walk in the theater and go, all right, I have no idea what the heck I'm supposed to see, so I have no preconceived notions. Yeah. Yeah, that helps a lot. If you're expecting to see a certain type of Hellboy, then I can't help you. Yeah, there was a lot of people that was like, it's Hellboy, but it's the new Hellboy. It's not, you know, it's not Del Toro's Hellboy. No. There was somebody that said uh, that it seemed like it was way closer to the comics, I guess. I don't know, because I haven't read the comics either. So That's just what I heard. And I, I can understand how people just... I remember the reactions to Lord of the Rings. There were people that were really disappointed because there were, there were either scenes they wanted to see... Or the characters were treated differently than they were in the books, and that just they didn't like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's always going to be somebody. 
but I could be blissfully ignorant of it. That was one of the reasons. Well, <laughs> John goes. John goes. Uh, it's good to hear another review since the internet has been brutal to it. I have people on Facebook who were saying that they that they liked it. Yeah. But they did warn that it was gory. Um, and then John's like, "F Tom Bombadil." yeah i heard it i heard that it was for the most part it was a good one but if you're expecting the del toro type style just forget it you're you know don't don't expect what's been done already Mm -mm. which you shouldn't because it's a whole new director whole new team whole new everything although i would rather have had the del toro because i like that one but i understand not not butthurt over it. Yeah, and I enjoyed this one. It's been long enough. It's been long enough uh, since I saw the last ones that I just didn't really remember much about it, honestly. Yeah, all I could remember about, I mean, what was it, mid-90s when the last ones came out? I think it was in the 90s. They're still they're still good, but yeah, they're, they're showing their, their, their... They're not your... The graphics are a little end, lower. At the very end, there was this cool thing that happened, and I was like, oh, my God, cool. Are you sure and it was cool? It was cool. It was cool, and I clapped my hands. I think Jim saw me, but I won't say what it was. Is, is there any, uh, what are they call stingers, or any after-credit scenes? Yeah, you want to watch through the credits. Okay. So definitely watch through the credits, because there is an after-credit scene. Okay. All right, so two space herpes. Yep. And what do you think, Jim? Space herpes wise. Um, which which is on the good side and more the lower? Bad. Oh, four space herpes is definitely a thing you don't want. Yeah, you don't want more space I, herpes. I mean, you you can, it can absorb one. <laughs> absorb one. I like that. It can absorb one. <laughs> <laughs> It'll get its penicillin shot later. Yep. <laughs> so, so overall, not a bad one. Not a bad score. Uh, do y'all have another one, or was that was just it y'all are going to go with? That was kind of it. Okay. I'm set for movies for at least, what, the next three and a half years? <laughs> All right. Uh, I watched two other movies. Um, give me a second. I'm trying to put this wash on this because I'm trying to work with some... Highlighting black is not my strong suit. Take the black. I did. I did take the black. <laughs> so let me get this wash on here real quick before it gets out of control. Uh, I watched two movies this week. I watched Downsizing, which has Matt Damon in it. And it is a story about a scientist that finds out how to shrink People, any uh, organic material, I guess, or any cellular organic human, I guess, is the best way to put it. And you know what? That just reminded me. I watched uh, Ant Man and Wasp yesterday. Oh, so you can do that. (laughs) And Uh, I finally saw what is it? Oh, what Infinity War. uh Um, and so 
the show is about Matt Damon. Gonna he can't afford the way he's doing, but he's going to sell off his properties and become downsized to live the life of someone that is roughly five inches tall. Um, and so they find out, yes, he can, and the money he makes here would make him a millionaire in downsizing um, and make him super, super rich because him and his wife's, um, uh, the money they've earned and the money they have will just make them stupid rich. Um, it's on HBO, so I'm going to spoil it for you. Uh, Matt Damon and his wife go to do the downsizing. He gets downsized. His wife leaves him in the uh, before the procedure is done. Uh, and it's irreversible. So once you're five inches tall, you're done. Um, and so it's about him living uh, in a five-inch world doing things. Huh. Um, downsizing. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to upset Pukachi because I hated the movie. It was slow. There were a couple of funny scenes. No no doubt about it. But for the most part, it was really, really slow. Um, I was wanting them to do something. I was like, okay, yeah, uh, okay. Yeah, all right. Okay. And, yeah, and? And that was it. I mean, it just wasn't... I was not happy with it. I was very disappointed in the way it turned out. Uh... Special effects were cool. Um, you kind of have to laugh because they're like, oh, they're five inches tall. And they show them out in the real world. But it's just the real world. Um, they don't make any huge references to the different ways that, you know, if they were going to be doing things. Um, it, it was it was it was a letdown for me. I was really disappointed. I thought it was going to be a lot funnier than I thought it, than it was. Thought it was gonna be some cooler special effects. Um, it just didn't work out. Uh, very poorly paced, in my opinion. Um, I would say it does have some reference to you know um, our society of wasting materials and wasting things and stuff like that. So it was kind of you know environmentally conscious. The reason why they were doing it because of course someone that's five inches is not going to make nearly as much waste as someone that's normal size, food and everything else wise. Um, <laughs> he, <laughs> Fujiki said he would take all the five inch people, dress them up like a war machine or uh, Warhammer figures, and make them fight it out. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's funny. Um, but I mean, for the most part, it was it was pretty boring. Um, I give it like three and a half space herpes. I would skip it. Um, just pass it by. Don't even think about it. Just walk away. Uh, if you see it on HBO, ignore it. It doesn't exist for you. Um, my last one I did is it was also on HBO. I think HBO. Uh, Jurassic War World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, this is the newest Jurassic World. And this is where they go back to rescue the dinosaurs because the island's going to explode because it's got a volcano on it. Big shocker. Um... Man, does this appeal to every nine-year-old out there in the world. Um, as an adult, eh, it was cool. It was all right. It had some neat-looking stuff. The special effects are great. No no diss about that. Um, the story was... You saw it coming from a mile away. Um, there was pretty much... They took the original cast and said, Hey, we need you to go to the 
uh, island to rescue these dinosaurs and help them get them off the thing because the, you know, the planet's, you know, the island's going to explode. Oh, yeah, we'll do that. Of course, people they hire are taking those dinosaurs and going to sell them off. Uh, they're going to genetically either modify them or just take their blood and DNA and make more dinosaurs and sell those off to people. Um, so, of course, the evil corporation people are like, um, you know what, we're going to make our new dinosaur. And this new dinosaur is going to be able to assassinate people because you can tell it where to go by using this special gun that submits, uh, emits a infrared beam or a laser and a sound that it will attack it until it's completely dead. Okay. Um, the Ender Raptor. And, of course, it's the biggest, baddest new creation that's going to kill everything out there. Okay. It, it's just all played through. And there's some pl major plot holes, major problems with it. Um, all these dinosaurs, they get to the place we're going to sell the dinosaurs. They get to, they got to rescue them. But to rescue them, they got to send them out in the world. Because uh, if you don't, uh, <laughs> I would rather watch the old one on VHS at that. Uh, yeah, I agree. The original was much better than this. And <coughs> they're like, we have to let these dinosaurs out or they're going to die. So we have to let them out in the world. We have to do that now. So let's lose, you know, you know, T-Rex, you know, Velociraptors, Stegodons, all these brontosaurs out into the real world and just let them live amongst us. No, we can't let them die, you know, because that would be cruel to them. And so they let they they let them out. And I'm like, okay, so now our world is populated by dinosaurs that run around. Um, so I don't know if they're going to do an, another one about capturing or killing them all. Um, anyway, because, of course, there's Velociraptors and the T-Rex and all these other super nasty creatures uh, running around on Earth. Uh, and, of course, they're going to kill humans. So we've got to do something about it. Uh, it was pretty, pretty bad. Um, not as bad as downsizing. I would say two and a half, pushing three. Uh, special effects were good. Music was always great. Um, characters were fine. Um, you saw the plot from a mile away. You saw everything a mile away. So it wasn't like you weren't expecting stuff. It's just like, oh man, they could have done so much better. But they didn't. So you just got to live with it. Um, overall, like I said, it's about two and a half, three. Eh, if you got a lazy Sunday and you got nothing else to do, sure. Otherwise, I'd skip it. Um, I didn't care for it too much. Um, so other than that, I'm done. Kathy, James, you got anything? I think Kathy watched her Turkish for Beginners again. Yes, Friday. My sitcom, which I talked about last week, the, uh, the half hour sitcom from Germany. Yeah. But I also saw... As I, as I said earlier, uh, your downsizing made me remember that I saw the Ant-Man and Wasp yesterday, mm -hmm. and that was kind of cheesy, I have to say. It was it was a whole lot of me going, really? Really? <laughs> like, there were parts of it that were really cool, but, like, the dialogue between the guy and, uh, between... 
Oh, what's this? You know, the lead guy and uh, Hope. Yeah. It was just uh, it was inane. It put the Stilton into Stilted. <laughs> yeah, the stinky cheese. The stinky <laughs> cheese. The Fomunda was there. Yeah, it was like I didn't get to see the very end because we had to actually leave to go to the movies. Um, so I got to watch it on Netflix. I mean, fast forward to the end just so that I can see what happens at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm told that uh, <coughs> Wasp kind of takes place uh, in a parallel timeline to the Infinity hmm. War movie. It happens at the same time. It happens yeah. right at the, yeah, the ending of the show happens at the ending of uh, Infinity Wars. So, yeah, so I didn't see the ending of it yet. Oh, okay. So I need to go, I need to see the ending. But, yeah, I watched Infinity Wars before that, and so we're kind of preparing for the 26th. Gotcha. And, okay. Uh, so that's, that's kind of uh, our media section, I guess. And so. that's pretty much our show. Um, I want to thank James for coming on here and talking about A Song of Ice and Fire. Um, we are going to actually, James and I are going to be talking about individual units. Um, him and I are going to get together do some painting of models. And when we do that, we're going to be talking about the models that we're painting and the tactics associated with those models. Sorry, I jumped out of the screen because I was going to go to my computer. And a little bit more detail into stuff and not just the broad sweep. Um, and talk about lists and stuff with the game. Um, I may do some battle reports. <laughs> John goes, I'm John. Good well, John. Bye, John. <laughs> um, guys, we are off next week. So uh, for everybody's holiday. And then the week after that, we will be back for our event with uh, Parallel War Games. Parabellum War Games. Uh, we're going to talk about our uh, game coming out called Conquest, which goes live yeah, in it. June. I'm pretty excited about that because oh, yeah. the last two years they've been at Adepticon uh, running demos and telling people about their game and the lore behind it. The aliens that are invading this planet is is pretty cool and the alien models are amazing. Yeah. So, uh, for More Than Nice, I'm Gonzo. I'm Kathy. I'm Jim. Good and night. John already said uh, <coughs> yeah, he's being a turd. He's always a turd. Yes, we do love you, John. Good night, John Boy.